Warning, this podcast was produced by two men who still think that swearing is both big and clever. As a result, it contains quite a lot of it. Therefore, this podcast is not suitable for children, unless they're really fucking cool children. Yes, people, Dave Fenton here with another episode of Pop Collaborate. And listen, uh, yeah, we are back with this episode. Thank you for all the feedback on the previous episode. Uh, loving that you guys were enjoying that one. Uh, big numbers for Shakadim suppliers, man. Uh, either Stephen Hill's very popular or you guys are loving that big man, Shakadi. Uh, yeah, we're back this week with a slightly different tone. This is uh, Tori Amos under the pink see what me and Greer made of this one um, I'm going to keep this intro short as always if you do want to support us there's a PayPal link at the at the end keep it going guys and we'll be back with you real soon, take it easy, enjoy the episode Yes, people, Dave Fence, I'm here with another episode of Pop Collaborate, and listen, as always, I am joined by the incredible Mr. Krista Greer. He is incredible, he is Krista Greer. Hello, everyone. Looking forward to this one, I think. Absolutely, man. It's, yeah, it's a different type of uh, albums that we look forward to. We look forward to the ones where we know it's going to be uh, a funny experience, and there's other ones. Chuck the Demons and Pliers, you mean? No, I don't, that's a, that, was <laughs> a, that was just a genuine bonafide reggae experience oh, right. and thank you by the way to everyone who's kind of uh, responded to that one our last episode of Jagged Names and Pliers where Stephen Hill from uh, True Cop Pop came on and helped us out uh, we had a lot of good response to that people seem to enjoy what we what we had to go through but this one yeah so we're doing Tori Amos this week we're doing her album Under the Pink The Sophomore Effort The Sophomore Effort exactly her, so- her second solo album um, which was number one for one week in February of 1994 which starts to speak of the rabid fan base uh, that Tori Amos has and uh, mm-hmm. if you are one of that rabid fan base and you have found us um, yeah, we might not be that rabid um, sure. so and, and please don't hate us for the shit jokes and not taking it entirely seriously yeah uh, you know I'm I mean, don't don't worry about that. I'll probably be taking it quite seriously. All right. But, um, yeah, but just be, bear in mind that we may not be, you know, we're not purporting to be the diehard experts on the subject well, matter. Yeah, that is also true. Yes, just indeed. because I've come across quite a few Tori Amos uh, super enthusiasts as I've been researching this podcast. Oh, and I've gone, oh, okay. oh, you guys are, you care a lot. And I'm fair play. I love that. I love sure. that. Um, but just bear in mind, we are not purporting to be the experts on the subject. We're just going to listen to this record and tell you what we think Very true. about uh, it. If we do get stuff wrong, which is probably entirely likely, just let it let it pass. Oh, yeah. Just let it pass. Yeah. It's oh, okay. I, no, I, I want to be corrected. Okay. Cor- Correct me. Correct me. Okay, well, like you say, this is the second solo album. She had done Little Earthquakes in 1992 uh, as her first solo album. She'd obviously had the kind of the, the Why Can't Tori Reid album in the 80s, which mm-hmm. was not a success no. and really kind of uh, fucked her over in terms of confidence because she was like, well, why isn't this a success? Why, why can't I make it? Because she is an incredible musician Absolutely. and songwriter. And so it had to take a, a whole kind of new tack with Little Earthquakes, but that really then showed her what she was capable of. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so let, let's talk about that one for, quickly first. Little Earthquakes, 1992. 
were you aware? 1992, I wasn't listening to Tori Amos. Okay. 1994, I wasn't listening to Tori Amos. Okay. Okay. I've subsequently gone back. Like my wife's a big Tori Amos fan. Okay, sure. Uh, I've got those records in my house. I've I know um, the stuff well enough. I consider myself a fan. Uh-huh. Um, when it came to this record, though, I realised I probably didn't know it quite as well as I thought I might. Oh, did, you know, like, had you heard this before at all? Then? I've, I've heard this because record. Because it's in your, in your house. I've heard this record before. You yeah. have, right. Have you sat down with it and listened to it, or has it just been kind of on? It's and, been on, yeah. yeah and, I, so, and I kind of, I, I don't know, I think I kind of presumed I knew it better than I did. Okay. So and when I went into it, there was a lot of stuff I was like, oh, I kind of, I'm hearing this for the first time, really. Right, sure. Uh, for me, Little Earthquakes, um, I did hear that in 92 because a friend of mine, uh, Niall Bakewell, who I'll probably refer to a few times in this podcast, he does... Uh, uh, another podcast, The Zeros, which uh, both of us guested on on the music episode. Yeah. Um, he's a massive fan. Uh, and he introduced me to Little Earthquakes in 1992. And I thought it was great. I, yeah. I really did. Um, but I didn't you know, listen to it over and over and over because it was other stuff I preferred in yeah. that time period. And I then just kind of let it slide. And I did not listen to this at the time at all yeah. because I was kind of on a, in it just going a different direction. And mm-hmm. I never went back to it. And to be honest... I didn't really go back to Little Earthquakes until maybe 95 or 96 properly. But when I did, I was like, this is absolutely incredible. Yeah. This is an astonishing album. And I, I had it whenever we did our roundup of 92 as one of my favorite albums of the year. I think it's just wonderful. I mean, it's a, it is a fantastic album, man. Blew me you away. Know, I, was, I, was, I mean, I was, funnily enough, the last thing I listened to before I left the house today was Crucify. Oh, my Jesus, God. what a song that incredible. is. Incredible. You know, and that's the thing about it, Toy M. She is, de- she is devastating. I, know I don't want to say too much going. Sure into this but um yeah i was looking forward to this Mm -hmm. i've got high hopes for this one because i've not heard this whole album at all before i've not i didn't go back to this even you know after rediscovering little earthquakes or anything like that because it was uh it's it's in the pile you know but i was looking forward to getting into it for this because i'll i bet you i was wrong you know that sort of way so i've got high expectations on this one all right well should we just crack into it absolutely let's do it so let's look uh we always start with a cover Um, yes so we've got you know a very kind of uh, artsy shot here. Grey yeah. background. Tory is centre frame that on you know kind of uh, what appears to be kind of clouds, clouds paper, yeah, ice, something like that. Yeah, something along so that. So sort of uh, you know, white stuff on the floor. She's there in a plain white dress, mm-hmm. uh, st- stood stock still, just staring into camera. It's a nice image. Yeah, it's, it's a, a nice image. It's yeah. a good album. It works as an album cover. Yes, it does. It's striking. Does. Yes, indeed. I mean, I suppose as well because uh, there's the grey background. There's the, the white dress and the, the white uh, floor. Then she's got the, the shock of red hair. So mm-hmm. that stands out. And uh, she's also got the, the very pink skin on show. I love, I love the way you say, like, on show there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm some sort of it's Victorian. Got a, got, a, got a skin on show. I can yeah. see a bit of ankle there. Yes. <laughs> oh, how dare she? Yeah. Uh, so uh, this came out, like I say, February of 1994. And... It was, it was number one in the UK because she seemed to have a bigger audience, really, over this side than America. Yeah, I mean, um, I remember The Enemy being incredibly all over Tori Amos. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it was apparently a, kind of a decision made by the record label whenever she was releasing Little Earthquakes. They released it here first because they thought that the UK would be more receptive to a bit of a kind of a strange left of centre female uh, 
you know, kooky, yeah. weird, whatever you want to call I mean, it. The, 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 if you look at um, the lyricism, mm-hmm. it's a lot, got a lot more akin to a lot of British mm-hmm. uh, indie music than it has maybe some with some of what was going on in the States at that time. Because, you know, sure. they were very kind of in-depth, oblique lyrics that you kind of had to dig into. Well, on this album especially, yes. Yeah, I mean, I'd say Little Earthquakes is probably a little bit more straightforward, but not it's not straightforward by no. any, any, any measure. But I think it's more than this one. Um, well, I'll tell you what I didn't, a couple of things I found out on researching sort mm-hmm. of bits and pieces, that when Little Earthquakes was released, the first single from it in the UK mm-hmm. was the Me and a Gun EP. That was the Fuck. first single. Jesus. And for anyone who knows Tori Amos, you'll be presumably like me going, surely that can't be right. Because that is a absolutely devastating a cappella yeah, song yeah. about uh, a sexual assault. Yeah. And that was the first single that the East West decided to put out off that album. Well, they were making they were okay. making a statement. Well, there. apparently so. Um, and also, um, whenever I look back at the Why Can't Tory Reid band that she was doing, did you know that Matt Sorum was the drummer? I did not. Matt Sorum, uh, you know, he's not. Is he now Guns N' Roses or no, X Guns N' Roses? X, X Guns N' Roses. Right. Uh, yeah, Velvet Revolver. Sure. Yeah. X the Cult. Right. The, yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Him. He was the drummer. I mean, I suspect it's, he's the reason it didn't work because that guy. <laughs> fucking, that that guy has got no. I mean, if, if you want a flat four fucking plot, he's your boy. But right. Jesus Christ! If you want any kind of feel, then. Go elsewhere. Well, yeah, yeah, could well be a, a, a mitigating factor in yeah. that. Then. All right. Well, let's uh, let's uh, check out track one, and this one's called "A Pretty Good Year." All right. Oh Jesus Christ! There's going to be piano in this. Oh, I should have warned you. Do I'm so sorry. Yeah. So we've got this kind of kind of plinky piano. So we're kind of expect mm-hmm. little in quite a haunting melody coming in. Yeah, and this definitely reminds me of Little Earthquakes. This is mm-hmm. a very similar feel to what I would have been used to on the first album. Yeah, I mean, I'd describe it as a like woundingly melancholic. Okay, you know? yeah, yeah. This was the second single from this album in the UK. Um, it was released in March 94, got to number four. No, mm-hmm. sorry, it got to number seven. Um, it was the fourth single uh, in Australia, though, and it wasn't released in America at all. So that's a, that's, I guess it's, it's okay. weird that all over the world it's different. Well, interesting. Obviously, the, the lyric here is, you know, um, Greg writes his letters, he burns his CDs. Right, so, yes. You know, like reading into this, reading, it's written about a, a guy called Reg who wrote her a fan letter, got through to her, uh-huh. and was just describing his life in his 20s and just feeling like he was done. He was... Yes. Everything yeah. was kind see of over. the point and anything else going on. And so... she And she's tried to write a letter, tried to write this song about that feeling, that kind of... Mm-hmm. And you know that kind of thing that affects a lot of people. You know, no, of course, where you feel like life, you know, life's got away from you. I guess, sure, and yeah. And I think she's captured it really well. There's a real bleakness to this, but right. it's done as she does so deftly with this just kind of beautiful light touch. And yeah, it's just I just find this song like, as I said, just really. I don't know. It I, hits a spot for you, does it? Yeah. It, nice. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it does this here. I've, yeah, obviously, it's you know, it's going to go into that bridge in a little while. Yeah, with, yeah it's coming up to you. Because uh, this is a very downbeat, like you <clears> say, melancholy. Um, uh, she, she has said that she's met a lot of men like Greg in her time who, yeah. at a young age, are like, what's the point? And she's trying to, trying to work out whatever. And then... Yeah, this bridge comes in. Fuck me, man. I mean, you know, first of all, what a fucking voice. 
amazing voice this woman has. Yeah, man. That's, I mean, that just, like, you know, it's just fucking proper gets the oh, hairs yeah. up on the back of my, yeah, on the back of Wonderful. my Wonderful. Yeah, and I was wondering, because this was, you know, for me going, oh, yeah, this is very Little Earthquakes, into that, which is a little bit harder yeah. than I'm used to from, from a, a Tori Amos song. I'm like, oh, maybe is this going to be the way this whole album is? Is, yeah. she, is she looking for a kind of a more abrasive sound mm-hmm. or whatever? So I'm kind of interested at this point to see what happens yeah. with the rest of this. This is a, this is a track one. I think this is very good. Yeah. I think this is a really nice intro to the album. Yeah, I think this is, I think this is uh, yeah, a, a brilliant beautiful beautiful song it's, yeah yeah it's uh yeah it, it, it makes me feel uh makes me feel sad and melancholic and okay, optimistic yeah. all at the same time um i genuinely love it if the rest of the album oh, nice is that standard then we're in for a good time great in terms of what it is about uh, like you say it's about this guy who'd written the letter and couldn't see mm. any point in in the rest of going on um and there are bits in there about the passage of time uh and the, the kind of early promise and that sort of thing and is what you were able to do when you were young uh, and then do you see that you've kind of made a failure of things there are very much parallels to her life in that as well because she was and I've said she's an amazing musician she was uh, apparently the youngest person ever uh, who was admitted to the Peabody Institute at John Hopkins University uh, she, at age five because she was so prodigiously talented on piano, yeah. like insanely talented on piano. Mm. And so she was starting down that road. She was kicked out of there um, when she was about 11 or 12, I think it was, because it, probably some rebelliousness, but also she didn't want to read music properly. She wasn't doing it by their rules. Yeah. And so they, they chucked her out. But she was uh, playing in bars in Washington, D.C., by the time she was 13 she was yeah. you know playing proper gigs by this point writing music writing music and that's when why when whenever she did the Wycan Tory Reid project and it did not work that must have been jarring as shit sure. um and so i can see uh parallels in this song for the early promise not fulfilled am i a failure what's the point that sort of thing i can see that coming through for her as well as this greg protagonist i'm interested was yeah. why why can't tori was that obviously that story you just told about uh, her not reading music was that yes, the, that, was that that's why they called it why can't tori absolutely read? Yeah, right, okay. apparently yeah. so. well again that's what i've read in a few different places sure. but yes that's what what it was about i should probably right if you've not heard us before there's always comes up that i am much more about the song and can i hum this Whereas you would be uh, more than I looking at the lyrics yeah. and that sort of thing, and so I will definitely admit that in this album there are some lyrics I do not get. Uh, I mean, there are there are lyrics in this album that I do not get. Yeah, I think so there's a lot of deliberately obtuse and yeah. lyrics, and so for a lot of it, I have looked at it and gone, "Do I understand this?" Okay, no, I don't. Looked at you know her explanation of it and gone, "Okay, right, fair enough," uh, but a lot of time I am basing my like or dislike of a song on. Do I think this is a nice song or a good song? Mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot of that coming up for me because sure. lyrically, I struggle sometimes with this album. Ah, okay, yeah, and you probably find, yeah, I, 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 I've quite got an idea where this conversation is going to go. Right, we'll carry sure. on. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> uh, but this shows me that uh, even if I, on a just a surface level, I think that's a lovely tune. I really like when it gets heavier. I really, yeah. really like that. I am surprised this was released as single number two because it's a. I, I don't know where it's going to sit on radio, for example, you know? There is clearly one single on this album. There's right. clearly yeah, there's okay, a clear yeah. single on this record, yeah. and everything else 
isn't really that. You've got to force it. But you know, not everything has to be. Not everything has to be an album single. No, no, that I, this is absolutely true. Uh, I just you know, if I were whoever the A and R person at East West was at the time, I think I would have been oh, fucking. This job is tough right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Anyway, let's get into track two. Uh huh. This one's called God. God. All right. This was the fourth single of the album. Okay, so we've got these kind of, we've got this kind of stomp. It's, it's almost got like a fucking porno funk. It is. Oh, there's a sleaze yeah. to this. It's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got these screechy kind of semi-industrial noises in there. Very much. Then, like, Tori's vocals just sitting on the top of it. The, oh, yeah, no, exactly. Right, right. Uh, floating over it. I think there's a proper funk swagger to this. Oh, mate, it's, it's so yeah. nice. There's a real looseness, and it's a yeah. low slung. And a looseness as well. Loose, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I did. I looked at the personnel on the album because I was like, oh, who is on this? Is it anyone else? And uh, there's a guy called George Porter Jr. on bass, and he was one of the original members of the Meters in the, back in the 60s. <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> that, that will absolutely do it. And if you don't know the Meters, you will have heard so many of their licks and beats yeah. in everything that's been sampled since then because they are one of the cornerstones for funk samples but that would explain it you know if he's got any influence at all mm. I can see why this is happening and, and mate let's just fucking talk about Tori Evans' phrasing the way where she puts words oh, okay yeah yeah where she puts words and fucking how she like puts them together like like piano notes uh-huh it's fucking glorious the oh, okay. she does. I, I love how she plays with words oh i i'd not even thought about that but the phrasing bit listen to it, up and down mate i i love the way she phrases words. she does it like no one else okay all oh, right okay uh, and lyrically, it's called God, yeah. and it's basically her calling out God for being absent whenever shit's yeah. going down. Or, or just saying, you know, God, yeah, like God isn't getting the job done, basically. Yeah. And yeah, it talks about the idea of, like, you know, every, in every species there's a male and a female. Yeah. But maybe God needs a woman to yeah, help there's him a to lot get of shit done. Yeah, indeed. And, and yeah, she's, she's putting herself forward as, as a volunteer as well. She's going, look, mate, I've got nothing else on yeah. right now. I can fucking yeah, do yeah, this yeah. for you. Yeah, a few witches burning, gets a little toasty here. Yeah. There's some really nice uh, little, some really nice little uh, flour, like turns of phrase and flourishes in here. Very much. But, you know, importantly, I think the tune here is, it's, it's kind of constant, ever-evolving, but it's just brilliant fucking moments in it. I, I, you know, it... I, it really kind of carries me through from the start uh-huh. to the end. You've got that fucking great um, groove that it kind of comes back into and locks into. Yeah. And then these just like kind of lilting kind of flights across I, the I really do like the, the whenever she's doing the... the uh, 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 dun, dun, dun. That is just lovely. It's been brilliantly done. And listen to that like, weird like, kind of like kind of compound bah. roll bah, underneath bah, 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 it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. This, is a, this was the first single that they released in the States. And that's a brave move yeah, in the fucking, you know, Christian conservative mm-hmm. America. Um, but it did only get to number, like, 72 in the Billboard charts. So maybe that's what you okay. get if you take, a, you take a chance and it doesn't work. It was number one, like, on alternative radio. But in the actual charts, it wasn't. Sure. Uh, it didn't get there. But again, you know, I think at that point, the alternative market is so strong there's almost a big position in cementing yourself in that yeah because that'll carry through in oh definitely yeah you probably don't give a shit if it's not played on mainstream whatever if you're getting on MTV2 or whatever it was at the time and getting talked about in the right places that's what you're after 
Yeah, and also lyrically, uh, this is one of the more kind of straightforward songs lyrically because it is just her going, right, come on, get a fucking grip, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't believe you're letting all this stuff slip by. Um, and I really enjoy the, the whole feel of that as well. Yeah, I mean, it's playful. It's, I mean, yeah. it's, it's a beautifully produced song, man, as well. It's, it's really put together well. Oh, totally, totally. Um, if, again, if you don't know uh, kind of much backstory on Tori Amos, her father was a preacher. Yeah. Um, and so there's a lot of um, religious Im- imagery th- running through all of her music. There was huge amounts on Little Earthquakes. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more on this as well. Uh, she talks very often about kind of her rebellion against Christianity, um, her breaking away from that, and being brought up in a very strictly Christian uh, sure. upbringing and how she had to deal with the various bits of that. And mm-hmm. so that's why, I guess, it's such a big deal for her to sing about these sorts of things yeah. because you know, uh, the entirety of her, her youth was brought up, being brought up by uh, this kind of uh, ideals and uh, scriptures. Um, apparently, the album was originally going to be called God with a Big G, but the uh, label said no, <laughs> they wouldn't enough. have it. Yeah, so it became Under the Pink. Uh, I will say, I bought a book, a Tori Amos book called Resistance, came out a couple of years ago. I bought this in the post office when I was posting something because it was £4.50 and I went, I'll read this. Yeah. Uh, and there's I've just a couple of passages where I got that info. Uh, it was going to be called God with a Big G, but that got shot down by someone at the label. So then the muses guided me to the more expansive album title, Under the Pink. This reference was intended to speak to most women who have a pink to flesh-coloured G-spot associated with their internal anatomy. Mm. So, okay, that it went from God to... Yeah, your your G spot, I suppose the G, the big G with a, with a capital G. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Um, no, I haven't finished this book. I'm probably two thirds of the way through it, and I am surprised, and maybe I shouldn't be surprised, at how much of a very strange hippie type she is. Oh, I wouldn't you know, be at all surprised. I'm, by that. I'm really. It, it, she's out there, mate. She is really. You know, she talks about that she doesn't write songs. They're a conduit. You know. The muses. She talks about the muses as proper actual things, mm-hmm. not just as a, a concept. That the muses come and visit her, and she, the, the music comes out through that. There's a lot of that in the book, mm-hmm. which is yeah, fair enough. I mean, I didn't think she was going to be just some luddite, Ed Sheeran, Ed Sheeran. Ed, yeah, <laughs> precisely. I didn't think she was going to be that, but I'm quite surprised at how far the other direction she's gone. Well, the muses visit me, and they told me about a girl from Galway. Yeah, and he said, "Can you play it in this one chord?" Yes, I can. Absolutely. Done. Fine. Right, uh, another redhead, though, of course. Oh, of course. Uh, we'll see track number three then. This right. one's called "Bells for Her." Man, that piano is ominous, isn't it? Oh, it, oh it's like a horror movie one. It's, yeah. you know, it's like a kid's piano that you hear playing and you're like, but there are no kids in the yeah, house. It's like, yeah, it's, I put, it's, it's cinematic and this is like, yeah, yeah it's like a prelude to nothing good. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and this, uh, Aim, Tori must have said that there's a trilogy of songs on this album about women's cruelty to other women. Yeah. Uh, about when, like, trusted friends let them down or stab them in the back. And this is the first one that we're coming across mm-hmm. on the album. Yeah, I, I, I read uh, talking about this, and she was saying about it's about friendship where she'd have bet any money that whatever they went through, they could get through. Yep. And ultimately, was was found that that was yes, not the, proved wrong. the case. Yeah. And this song, I mean, it's I, I find this fucking utterly haunting. Oh right, yep. You know. Um, yeah, you know, I think that, that 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 idea, that motif that's in here, uh, the, the idea that life just keeps on moving sure. and you never really get anything 
fixed. You think, okay, I've done this, I've done this now. Uh-huh. And it's not like, you it's not like tasks. You don't go, oh, I've done that so I don't have to do it again. Yeah. Everything, you, constant maintenance on everything. Oh, I see, okay. Uh-huh. The, the, and the, the, you've all, whenever you just climb over, like, climb, get over the top of one hill, there's another fucking hill yep. waiting. Uh, and yeah, she talks about the fact there's no resolution in this song. And I think that's For, yes. really important and because life is a mess yeah and, and that's yeah. it you know life is a mess and you know yeah. you're kind of we're all kind of raised with the idea that there are resolutions and solutions to things and everything gets wrapped up and yeah and also if you're a good the person then it'll be fine yeah but yeah you can't account for other people yeah musically this one is obviously very slight there's uh-huh. you know there's this very kind of simple piano going on here with her vocal over the top of it. Yep. But for me, and, and I've got a feeling this may be where we differ on this one, the, uh-huh. the mood that she conveys here, I find it just chilling and it draws me in. Oh, and right, okay. It's compelling. It's, you know, I'm not putting this on a playlist, yeah. but while I'm in the moment and I'm with it, it's really got my attention oh, and I'm nice. completely with it. Okay. I like this bit. I like the, 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 the kind of where she's going <laughs> up and down again. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't find this compelling. I no. find this a bit boring. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's some nice lines. I picked out a line. As a, and now I speak to you. Are you in there? You have her face, her eyes, but you are not hers. Like That's just you know the, the change of a friendship instantly. But no, I find this very dull. I can understand why you would come from there, but sure. th- that's not how I feel about this at all. Good, th- lovely. Th- th- this has got... a. This has just got a drama to it that I'm just like it. It's that kind of thing like when someone's when someone's speaking quietly, one of two things happens: you're either annoyed by it, and you're like fucking walking yeah. here, or what they're saying is interesting enough that you draw closer and mm. you listen intently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is definitely the latter of those two things for me. Oh, totally. And uh, you know, one of my favorite bands is Low, and they are famed for, or they were famed for, uh, playing so quietly that if people were talking and that they, their music got drowned out, they would play even more quietly mm-hmm. until it was like almost inaudible to everyone, so that you had to shut the fuck up and mm-hmm. listen. They wouldn't try and rise above it. So I, I get the power of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and I don't. I was going to say actually, uh, you've already proven me wrong because I thought maybe if I I'd listened to this in 94, and especially maybe if I'd been a teenage girl, uh, there'd be something more for me that would grab me, and I would feel more uh, a a kinship with this, but I don't, but Mm. you do, Mm. and so that's not the case. That's not why I'm not getting it. I think she's got an ability to convey uh, emotion in the just in the you know through the, the tone of her voice uh-huh. and the delivery and there are moments on this record where that doesn't work for me and we'll get to them yeah fine uh, but for me these first three tracks are you're just, win-win-win yeah 100% man oh gorgeous um, this is the longest song so far nearly five and a half minutes mm-hmm. um, and the other ones you know, haven't been haven't overstayed their welcome I find this overstays but Fair that's enough. because I'm not into it I'm sure you'd be more than pleased to know that I have uh given different names to some of these songs depending <laughs> on how I feel about them. <laughs> oh no. And so oh, I've, I've, after us, I've uh, dubbed this one Boreamos. Boreamos. <laughs> so that's uh, that's what you're getting from me. I Actually, uh, the last one, God, I thought it could be a couple of things. Um, could be like Heavenly Glory Amos. Could be that. Or it could be Michael Row the Boat Ashore Amos. Nice uh, Christian little rhyme there. Fuck my yeah, life. Fun times. Why have fun I done this? Fun times. 
Uh, right. Oh, well <laughs> uh, okay, so that was track three. That was Bells for Her. Track four is Past the Mission. Past the Mission. Okay, so. And this one uh, was the third single. This was a single again uh, in May 94, and it got to number 31. Uh, so let's, let's play this one. So this is, you know, straight away, it's more, more up-tempo. It's got... Um, it's reggae. It's, it's, but it's also... It's also got a um, uh, a bit of a old timey church song feel to it, hasn't it? Oh sure, okay, yep. It's got like a, yeah, like a what's the word I'm looking for? Religious um, uh, gospel or no? There's a word. There's a particular word I'm looking for, but I'm no. not going to find it. I don't think right now. But then here we go into this chorus with uh, uh-huh. with your man on the uh, Trent Reznor on the backing vocals. Well, yeah, but I don't understand why. If you've got access to Trent Reznor. And apparently she, you know, and again, this is is a quote from her where the song spoke to her and went, Mm -hmm. I want Trent Reznor to sing on me. Yeah. The the song, you know, this was a song talking to her. So she rang Trent Reznor and he was up for it. Yeah. If you got access to Trent Reznor, I don't understand why you just get him doing a little bit of background vocals that you don't really notice. And it doesn't need to be... Trent Reznor. Well, I mean, you know, maybe, maybe that those were the terms that he was interested in being involved in. Perhaps, you know, Perhaps. maybe, maybe he didn't want to be involved in a kind of a big feature or something along those lines. Very possible. But you know, this is, you know, fairly famously a song, another song about sexual assault. Yes. Yeah, I, I had to really look into what this was about because I didn't understand it from just the lyrics at all. Yeah, this is a song I kind of didn't really know what it was. I, but once you know what it is, you can kind of you can you can yeah piece back. The thing is, like, I think she's an incredible lyricist, right? Uh-huh. Um, because everything she writes is very uh, it's imagery that uh, like is evocative of an idea rather than being on the nose and completely explicit totally and there are times when it's so uh, you know oblique that I can't decipher it yeah Um, but you know maybe that's because I don't have enough of the touch points for what she's talking about or maybe it's just that's the way that that's specifically designed she's very candid when she talks about lyrics and interviews she she obviously has you know it's not like you know, for example, you know, use somebody else that she's going to work with, Maynard from Tool, uh-huh. where his lyrics are oblique, but he's like, I, I, I will not. He refuses uh, to, to discuss them, doesn't he? Yeah, he, I, I won't explain these because yeah. they are what they are. You draw what you will from them. Sure. Whereas yeah. this has obviously come from a different place. This has come from a, a desire to be understood, but it's the craft, obviously. Okay, sure. Um yeah, for, but so, yeah, man. But that, that fucking the chorus in this song, man, just gives me absolute goosebumps. That kind of I smell the roses. That signification of trying to move beyond assault, not be defined by it. Okay, yeah. I think that's just fucking perfect. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I love that, man. Like this, I think that that backing vocal uh, is really powerful. It's oh, really? hardly there, but it's really, it really just makes. Oh, I the think composition. it's nice. I think it's absolutely fine. Is yeah, it, I, lo- well, I love this song, man. Again, I oh, genuinely, really? genuinely love this one. Right. Uh, I don't get this one either. And I appreciate what she's saying. Mm. I absolutely do. And the, the, the message behind it. Um, and there's some very clever bits. Like, cause yeah. whenever you do look into it, um, and she's saying things like, I once knew a hot girl. Where is she now? She, she can come back again. She's looking for how she was pre yeah. the sexual assault and this sort of stuff and pre the trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, she wants to be whole again she wants to be better and so it, I get all that 
but it's really it really is couched in uh, not enough of a, a tune. I think. See, it, I, I, I think. think I, see, I think that chorus has got a, a, a brilliant tune oh, to I see, it. No, I don't really. That's just stop playing, and I'm I'm humming it in my head as we speak. You right. know? Yeah, sure. I think I think that's a really maybe catchy isn't the right word, but I think mm. that's an infectious chorus as well. It is definitely it's a memorable chorus because yes, if you said to me, "Can you sing the chorus for that?" I probably could, but I don't think it's very interesting. I think it is just a little bit middle of the road. It's fine. We're going to have to agree to disagree on that because I think yeah, I think I think I think you're fundamentally wrong. Fine on that on that. But um, you know what yeah, was recorded? I, 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 re- I really, 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 really like that one. I see. Oh, okay. So four, four, four. Wow. As we, uh, yeah, for the first section, I guess we should uh, probably do some albums. Let's though. do some albums, right? Let's see what else was going on. We've only got one week's worth of records to look at because this was only number one between February sixth and the twelfth. Uh, the top ten. We say it every week. Number 10, Dina Carroll. So close. Just lurking. How fucking many records has this woman sold? Oh, it was, I think it was like the second highest selling record of the previous year, never having got to number one. And most boring. It's got to be just wallpaper, hasn't it? Mm -hmm. Never heard it and never will. Number nine, Bjork debut. Mentioned it before. Mm -hmm. Number eight, MP, well, Elegant Slumming, still in there. Number seven, D-Ream with D-Ream on, volume one. What was going on? Listen to this. This is all terrible. And I cannot. It was a dark time. Imagine if your big single is "Things Gonna Get Better." What's the rest of the album gonna be like? So, like, just sub that. Absolute shocker, man. Uh, number six, Brian Adams. So far, so good. Number five, Mariah Carey's "Music Box." Number four, Diana Ross' uh, "Ultimate Collection." Number three, down uh, from last week, is Chaka Nameless and Pliers with "Tease Me." Oh, <laughs> hear me now. Uh, oh dear. <laughs> oh, mate, I still fucking think of that sometimes and crack up. I genuinely do. <laughs> A uh, little uh, in-joke from the previous episode there. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, and number two, and it looks like we almost had to do this one, and thank God. Yeah. Thank thank Tory, yeah. we don't have to do Garth Brooks within pieces. Can you imagine? Uh, and if we got... there was, it, I don't think he ever had a UK number one, did nah. he? No, but I mean, number two is obviously... You know, close enough. It's scraping up. I mean, thing, fucking number two, right? But yeah, that's not going to be any fun at all. Can you imagine, man? I think we have to do steps at some point, possibly. Oh, I'm sure we will. There, there will be some boot scooting in our life. Oh, yeah. Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> Did Billy Ray start? No, I don't think any Billy Ray. No, yeah. God. Uh, okay, so that's all that was in top 10. Uh, in the rest of kind of the, the releases, this is what we got in the one week, Cheryl Crow released Tuesday Night Music Club, mm-hmm. um, which I put, made a note because it was released in this February of, of 1994. It, the highest it got to was number eight in 1995. So it's a long one here. Yeah, again, yeah, yeah. I don't think we got to do it. I don't think it's in the list. Nah. But it just kept on selling and selling. It was off of that. That single just blew up so but big. All I want to do. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that single, to be honest. I think that was a great song. Uh, Jawbox released For Your Own Special Sweetheart. Mm. I've read so much about them at the time and never... Uh, got into them at yeah. all. I've never listened to Jawbox. No. How about Jawbreaker with 24-hour revenge therapy? I mean, I think I've Isn't... possibly seen Jawbreaker live. But, oh, really, um, yeah. Back, but didn't they just uh, reform when... and I don't support just, Girls Against Boys or something? They're just one of those bands, aren't they? They're just one of those kind of epitaphy bands. Oh, totally. Have... Uh, you know, hardcore fan base, 
um, sold hardly anything, but were you know, lauded in the press. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just, you know, van store, yeah. stores. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Cake released their debut album, Motorcade of Generosity. Mm-hmm. I wasn't aware of Cake at this point at all. No. It wasn't until the distance, you know, 96 was that, 97. Yeah, to be honest with you, like, I've never really investigated them. I, I really love the race. Dance to it loads in clubs, but I've never really investigated much beyond that. Right, they've got a couple of other really, really good singles, but for me they're not an album band. Okay. Uh, And then the only other one I've got a note of is the Beastie Boys released Some Old Bullshit. Oh, nice, Which was kind of their placeholder before they were going to do Ill Communication. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember Uh, that coming out. Yeah, I remember it coming out. I was very excited because I was such a a huge fan of Check Your Head, and then I'd gone back and got into Paul's Boutique and this sort of stuff. Yeah. Big fucking Beasties fan. And then Some Bold Bullshit came out, and I was pretty disappointed. Oh, yeah, because it's just mainly our hardcore songs. Exactly, yeah. Not really what you're necessarily Not what I'm into, and it had the the Cookie Puss uh, thing on the the flip, which was okay, but... Egg Rager of Mojo. Uh, the, the hardcore version of this yeah I think it yeah. is but yeah I was like oh it's going to be amazing it's going to be loads of stuff that uh, it should have been on those albums oh right no this is this is some old bullshit yeah, no yeah. it wasn't awful but it was not for me not one, for you. one bit but yeah that's all I've got there's only a few releases there so that's that's what the world was looking like okay well let's crack back into a track number five from Under the Pink this one's called Baker Baker Okay, so we're into an, an, into another power ballad here. Not, mm-hmm. Sorry, not power ballad. <laughs> That's well, damn near with faint praise. Another, Even I, love another, a, I love a power ballad, but... Yeah. Another piano ballad. Yeah. Uh, uh, this sounds very much like a Little Earthquakes era song again mm. to me straight away. The whole feel of it. And again, so look, this is... This one's about a relationship that she's saying she wasn't, you know, emotionally available for. Yes. Where she feels like she maybe, like did some of the things that women accuse men of doing uh-huh. and you know she's quite self-critical about herself in an interview about that yeah. um, I mean, she has said as well that some of that is because of the rape because of the sexual assault she yeah. kind of it forced who she really was down inside her and she couldn't be yeah. open and free and emotionally available for a long time after mm. that yeah so she she didn't want to be like that but for someone who genuinely wanted to love her, it was difficult for her to let uh, yeah. let, let, let herself be free to do so. Now, this is one where I find this perfectly fine. Yep. But it kind of doesn't stick its fingers in my soul like the other tracks on this record have. For me, this is the first one that I've gone, oh, this is kind of an album track. Right, and sure. I feel a bit bad almost saying that about something that's obviously got that amount, you know, because oh, all it, of this stuff has got so important. much heart in the creation of it. Yeah, of course. But, yeah, for, for me, this one kind of washes over me a bit. Yeah, I, I have that, you know, as soon as the tune's done, I can't really remember the tune. There's yeah. some nice bits in it. You know, I'm going through and going, yeah, that's all right, that's nice, that. And the sentiment, obviously, uh, there are some, some some powerful bits in this. But once it's done, I'm like, oh, yeah, can't, couldn't tell you what happened there. I guess the example I would use on this is, because I, I listen to this quite a few times walking my dog. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, like, the first four tracks... They'd have my absolute attention. Uh-huh. I'd be listening to them and it'd be making me think about bits and bit, you know, yeah. about what's going on. And then I'd find myself thinking about other stuff when this came on. I see, right. You'd, and, you'd wander. And I think, you know, there aren't as many lyrical hooks in it. The lyrics don't sit as prominently in it, possibly. Sure. 
And it's also not, it's a strange conceit, the yeah. baker thing. Um, you know, baker, baker, baking a cake. Uh, make me a day, make me whole again. I don't know why she's chosen a baker as the metaphor for a healer. Mm. Uh, and the, the, because you're saying it's uh, a lot to do with uh, how she was not the nicest person uh, to be in a relationship with at this point, uh, and she was self-destructive. It's likely that this is about a guy called Eric Ross, who produced Little Earthquakes and this album, and she was in a relationship with at the time. And made donuts. Um, yeah, quite. Uh, so it's a little bit kind of awkward, I guess, if she's singing this about your relationship. But they did break up, I think, either during the recording of this or very shortly afterwards. Right. And he didn't uh, produce anything else with her again. Sure. She did self-production for, to, uh, for the entirety of the rest of her career. She's produced right. every album herself, which makes a lot of sense to me because mm-hmm. she has such uh, strident views on her music and she will not let other people tell her, any, especially after the fucking Why Can't Tori Reid thing, she will not let anybody else tell her, don't do this or this doesn't yeah. sound good. So it makes sense that she should just produce her own stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. A kind of an autid. Oh, yeah, she's in control of the whole thing. But for Eric Ross at the time, when he was producer, it's just got to be, oh, this is awkward in the studio. Oh, that's how you feel, is it? Okay, cheers. I Overall, I'm just feeling a bit whatever about that song. Yeah, yeah that's, that, I mean that's pretty much how I feel about right. that one, and I and you know, and that's with the background of feeling very strongly about the other. Of four. course, of course. So um, okay, let's let's do track number six. This uh-huh. is um, this is the wrong band, right? Now, I yeah. Think it's so we're in Walt's time. We are, and, and we're very much in that kind of kind of classic kind of parlour music. Oh yeah, I mean it sounds like it's a pastiche of Noel Card or something yeah. like that. Yeah. I, I don't know if you've any knowledge of the song I'm about to say. It, for some reason, it reminded me of Patricia the Stripper by Chris de Berg. Oh, right. Okay. Which I, I, is a similar kind of piano jaunty 1920s. Well, I mean, well, that's quite interesting because, I mean, again, this is a song that I could not decipher the lyrics on. Okay, yep, yep, yep. Personally, I've read through them and I was like, but I read on the site, whatever, that yeah. it, it may be around. A, a sex worker that she Absolutely. knew. Yeah, that's what that, I've seen as well. They had to kind of uh, make an exit because they were involved with a, a politician. Yeah, it seems to be back when she was doing the DC bars yeah. and there was obviously a lot of guys from that scene yeah. in there and there was a prostitute who got involved with someone who I think was maybe privy to some information that she genuinely thought was going to get her killed. Yeah. And so she left the country, yeah. fled in case. Just this bit, I fucking love this bit. I think this is absolutely fantastic. This piece. Yeah, this is the thing. The, the, like the, this song for me, it, it's a real change of pace on the record. Sure. And this is not something I f- would feel like I'd normally be drawn to at all. Uh huh. But I right. really fucking. Love I think this, this is fantastic. Yeah. I honestly think this is brilliant. Um, There's no voice here. Oh god. Oh, it, it's so much going on. And then back into this. I mean, there's a parallel, I think, isn't it? Happy Phantom on Little Earthquakes, where it's a little bit novelty. I really like it, because it's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. I think this is... I think this bit of it, uh, that kind of jaunty stuff, is very peculiar. It's it's, it's almost (laughs) Python-esque. Yeah, it is. But then when it comes into this bit, honestly, I think it's fucking gorgeous. Um and I like the there's a, the, the the wrong band being the title. Um, it seems to be akin to being in the wrong place at the wrong time, mm-hmm. um, which is why this person uh, she's called Ginger in some of the stuff I've read. Mm-hmm. This this sex worker, uh, 
wrong place, wrong time, got involved with the wrong guy, and it just completely fucked her life, and she had to leave the country mm-hmm. and never be seen again. Um, there's a... And it's also feeling out of place. It's like everyone else in in the band mm-hmm. is perfectly happy and is getting on with stuff. I'm in the wrong band because I can't take this and this is not right for me. There's a lot of that feeling um, that everyone else is kind of judging you or whatever and you're needing to, to make a change and get out. I like that about it. Um, turns out, you know, that she is uh, friends with Neil Gaiman, uh, who did The Sandman. Yeah. Um, Gaiman is, is known to have quoted the Sandman's original artist, Sam Keith, uh, who left the title early on as telling Gaiman, I feel like Jimi Hendrix in The Beatles, I'm in the wrong band. And so that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's not like you're in a bad thing. You're just not the right person for that at that time. Yeah. yeah. But no, I do think that's fucking wicked. Yeah, uh, really got me. I think the chorus is brilliant, much more than the verses. When it swoops and soars, her voice is beautiful, uh, and she swings around the whole song. Mm-hmm. She's just like all over it, just gracefully done. Uh, and obviously, uh, Hori Amos. Nice. There you go. That's what I'm calling this one. It's about a sex worker. It's Hori Amos. Fucking obviously. amazing. There you go. Wow. Yep. All right. Uh, so that's number six. Shall we do the next one, number seven? Yep. This one's uh, this this is uh, dedicated to the always sunny fans. It's called the waitress. <laughs> the waitress. Uh, and as we mentioned earlier, he must have said there's like a trilogy of songs about betrayal by other women. This is another one of that trilogy. And here we've got some industrial clank. Now yeah. this is the, this is the point where you go if you're going to do this song and you had access to the Trent, Trent Reznor, yeah. absolutely, exactly. But yeah, it's like very off kilter, ominous feeling. Opening line, so I want, want to, to kill, kill this waitress. waitress. Brilliant. Absolutely wow. fucking brilliant. Wow. Yeah. And this uh, chorus, man. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, exactly. But the, the, it, whenever I first was listening to this, it was in the background, and I kind of forgot where it was going. When I properly listened to it, I'm going, this is building. This is a nice feel. This is cool, man. This is, you know, it's getting somewhere. And then when this comes in in the chorus, come on. Holy shit, Bang. man. Holy ah, fucking hell. Bitch. I believe in peace, bitch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a wicked line. And yeah, that this idea of just fucking no matter what you believe in, what your belief system is, yeah. just being overtaken by the powers of your emotion, your anger and violence. Yeah. Man, I fucking know that feeling. Oh, mate, we're, I we're, know we're, that both feeling. of us have, have, have <laughs> been bad for that at times. I exactly. Know and this is it. Shit. And she's saying, you know, she sees herself as a peacemaker and someone who can talk through a problem and would never resort to violence. But uh, she does refer to a specific incident, apparently, where a waitress really pissed her off and she just fucking lost her shit. And she literally said, I want to kill her. But, and, and then there's the whole thing about there are so many people who have done the same and they've let it go one second too long and not restrain themselves and they're in jail for murder now. But yeah, the, the, when it when just punches its way through the door with this chorus, it is pure fury and release. I mean, you look, it was the 90s. A bit of Quiet Loud was all the rage, oh, right? But, yeah. you know, I'm a 90s kid, man. Yeah. I fucking, this, this one does it for me a lot. Oh, this is, this is just wondrous fury, you know, over a, a tune of absolute menace. Just brilliantly done. Brilliantly that, done. That noise, man. Yeah. Uh, inflammatory Amos. Inflammatory Amos. Yeah. Fucking hell. Yes, indeed. Do you know what, man? I'm just looking at my. I'm going to have to go, I think. (laughs) (laughs) 
Ah, oh, mate, there's more. <laughs> cool. <laughs> That's the way you tell it. Is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke uh, for fans of D8. Yeah, indeed. Um, she has also said that this song, after the incident with the waitress, it was written and recorded within like 48 hours. She right. just, it just fucking flew mm-hmm. out. Once, right. once it was, the inception was there, mm-hmm. bam, done. Just fucking mm-hmm. get it out, get it done. And I think there was a few uh, songs I feel like here. Tori Amos could fuck some shit up as well. Mate, I would not want to get in her wrong side. Nah, Dude, honestly, you look at her when she's playing the piano, and she is beating that piano up. Mm-hmm. I would not go, mm, to be honest, I don't think you're quite right there, Tori. Mm. No, you do what you want, mate. Absolutely do what you want. Right, uh, so that's track number seven. Okay, it's track number eight. Okay, I mean, this is obviously the one yes. that, if, if you know a Tori Amos song, this is probably the one you know. There you go. Cornflake Girl. Cornflake Girl. And this was the first single in the UK. It got to number four in the January 94. And obviously, I remember this one. But the thing is, and I will admit this, I remember it, and I remember being a bit disappointed. How? Um, <laughs> because I thought it was... I didn't think it was as... I don't know. I thought, I thought some bits of it was like, no, you're trying too hard, something like this. And so me being a stubborn arsehole was like, well, I'm probably not going to like the album. And that's why I didn't listen to it for years, you know? This this, this to me is the paranoid android of Tori Amos. Oh, songs. wow, really? I mean, I think it's, uh, no, I think it's brilliant. Yeah. But, but it's just, it, 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 it's, it's, it's like paranoid android and there are so many bits to it. Sure. That, and there, there's, there's so many just clever little just moments within the song that you listen every time you hear it you listen to it and you can hear a new little bit uh-huh, every time uh-huh. you to it you know the, the overall conceit they're kind of the cornflakes girls versus raisin girls sure yep like it's a uh, you know again this is the other the other song in the trilogy almost isn't it it is this yeah, is the other one is, yeah so uh, this is this is a beautifully complicated argument that she creates it's like this right. this argument about betrayal between women I can't even be bothered to try and get into the nuances of this conversation. But, but it's, yeah. I was reading this and going, this feels like the type of, and without sounding like a, you can't say that anymore kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. But it does sound like very much like the nuanced kind of argument when you try and get into the minutia of something and understand it that seems to be shouted down at the moment okay, by yeah. how black and white arguments are in common, you know, in just everything's a soundbite at the moment. Isn't sure, it? yeah. Um, and you know this kind of digs into the very very interesting feminist idealism that I you know yeah you know as as with everything it's not hundred percent for me but you can kind of appreciate a nuanced argument when you see one. Amos has said right there's a quote from her uh, from an interview around this time uh, we women have to deal with the patriarchy first but then what's the alternative when you say patriarchy you don't have to be a man to be a part of the patriarchy one always feels safer when there are good guys and bad ones but there are no good guys out there it's not as if one sex can make it okay mm-hmm. so yes exactly there's the the message of this system mm-hmm. set up to benefit men is fucking everyone over but the women who are fucking women over are playing right into their hands and making it worse. Absolutely, yeah. Because yeah, there's a lot of conversation about th- this idealised idea of sisterhood she had uh, yeah, being sure. shattered around this point and yes. being fucked over by different people. Uh, first and foremost, yep. it's a fucking wonderful piece of music. It's if, you a know, banger. if you know yep. nothing about the lyrics yep. at all, 
it makes you feel a certain way. Right? Yes, and, it it, makes... and I had no idea what this song was yeah. about at all. I kind of assumed, whenever I first heard it, Cornflake Girl, Raisin Girl, I thought that was some sort of a metaphor for the American high school cliques thing. Yeah. And I was like, oh, the cool kids? Maybe she wasn't mm-hmm. one of the cool kids. She was one of the weird goths. Mm-hmm. And that was the metaphor. Mm-hmm. Turns out that was not what it was. But it doesn't matter if you don't really know what it's about because you can just enjoy this as a tune. Yeah, there's, there's this. And that, I mean, that, I've forgotten her name, but that fucking vocal there is. Oh, Mary Clayton. There, yeah. Fucking no, out, Mary man. Clayton, yeah. Uh, I didn't realize this was who was on it. Um, she is the woman who sang the, the female vocals on Gimme Shelter by the Rolling yeah. Stones. She is very central in the documentary 20 Feet from Stardom, which is a great documentary yeah, yeah, about yeah. backup singers. Um, but she's got a powerful, powerful voice Oh, my on her. God. Yeah. And so, yeah, to, you know, when she's coming in with that Man with the Golden Gun Bridge, uh, it really, really helps. It elevates the whole thing. Um, and weirdly, I read that one of the inspirations that Amos had when writing this song was when she was living in London, uh, the flat she was in was uh, in a very, very multicultural part, and she was hearing loads and loads of reggae, mm-hmm. and so that is what she based the kind of the the, the, the beat of this song on. It's like a reggae beat underneath yep. the whole thing. So, yeah, it's like... Put it on the playlist. Put it on the playlist, yes. But don't you wish more white people would do this with reggae? <laughs> do this with reggae. Jaw! Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, now, if you didn't read any of her talking about the lyrics, I don't know how you would understand what this was about. It's another one that's just completely out there, you know. She's gone to the other side, giving us a yo-he-ho. Things are getting kind of gross. She then said in the interview, she says, that bit, I think that's very clear. She said, what? <laughs> what the fuck are you on? And then, I and I go to sleepy time. This is not really happening. You bet your life it is. Uh, that is about the shock of, you know, discovering the betrayal and discovering having been standing back. You're like, this is, this can't be happening. Yeah. We're we're friends. This is the sisterhood. Yeah. You bet your life it is. Mm-hmm. This people are just shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now this is a fantastic song. Obviously, it's a fantastic. It's, song. It's, it's, I mean, I said in in my mind, it's an unassailable song. It's just one of those. It's just one of those kind of pantheon tracks. It's gotcha. like I can almost hear Tori Amos purist telling me how it's it's one of the most overrated songs. Because oh, I'm songs, sure, sure. But you know, there is there is sometimes a case for the reason why. The, Certain songs are the exactly. best. What, why is this so popular? Oh, because yeah. it's really good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah there, there is the, the other bit of this song as well, which is from reading into it. And again, why would you ever know? She said at the time she was reading a book uh, about um, about sisterhood and about betrayal and stuff like this. And one of the things that really stood out to her was uh, whenever women would give their daughters up for oh, female the FGM, FGM yeah, female that, genital mutilation. Yeah, see, that was I'd read that story as well. I couldn't mm. remember whether it related to this song. It, or the yeah, other it's song this one. She was. She said she was reading about it, and it, it, it feeds into the whole uh, woman betraying women thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's uh, said a lot of it. I guess it probably because this was the lead single. She said a lot of it in interviews about this. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, she is saying, you know, in in those cases when it's mothers handing over their daughters to these these butchers, she calls mm-hmm. them, and it's other women in the community holding the child down yeah. while it happens and therefore being complicit in the act. that she, It just made such an impact on her, the realisation of that and the, the, the stories that she was reading that it really fed into the anger and the, the venom she had. Sure. I mean, I, I, mean, there, there's also, I, I think there's a bigger argument to be have there about for, fucking institutional violence. Well, but, exactly. And what would happen if they didn't? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. 
that definitely is but you know this was what she was reading and channeling at the time but then yeah that that then kind of goes into that whole you know easy pop psychology the stanford prison experiment that can you know uh, sure. the power of conditioning and sure but also the fear of the men who are telling you this is what has to be done yeah yeah, yeah. and you know and there are certain things that you you're raised to believe are the way to be mm. and you don't challenge them until later and i think when you've got that rebel spirit and your mind is quite different to the family you come from yeah that is more outrageous to you right, yeah you true. Know? and I, you yeah. know i've got i've got a bit of that about me myself you know i'm quite different from from my family yeah i get annoyed when people don't challenge things that are obviously wrong for them yeah. you know yeah that, that will tear you apart living in england when it that god that, imagine that yeah oh, oh, should we have a party for the next election when the conservatives get back in i know fuck Cause, me because there's two because there's two years for them to get bring it back and you know they will it's, somehow it's, uh, oh, anyway uh, but let's let's right. move on okay well okay, look, let's, that, we're now two-thirds of the way through the album um so let's crack on and do uh singles shall singles. we all right then So we'll start with the top 10 singles of this week. February 6th to 12th. Bring them on. Uh, some proper shit in here. Here we what go. What a surprise. Number 10. And I will be, I mean, there's no way you're going to get what this is called. But you might think, oh, this sounds like such and such. It's an ace of bass. No, it's no. It sounds like ace I'd of see why you think that. No, it's not Enigma. But it's oh. one of the swathe of bullshit ah. that came in Enigma's wake. Uh, it's was, bad, was, isn't it? Oh yeah, it was on those pure sounds mm-hmm. CDs. Uh, this is Deep Forest. The Deep Forest. Deep Forest. Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> Deep Forest Kelly. <laughs> I can't give it any more, Captain. Uh, this is called Sweet Lullaby. So, I'm, I'm listening just, to this that was, that, shit. Was, that was Scotty you just did. Oh shit, it was. <laughs> not Bones. Not down. Bones. Sorry. Sorry, Trekkies. Yeah, this is fucking awful. Awful. I don't think I've ever heard this before. No, why would you? This was number 10, though, in the charts. Was it? God's sake. People are cunts. Honestly, really. All right, so yeah, that's number 10. Uh, number 9, though. When people complain about what's in the charts these days, right? I know. Point them at Listen else. to that, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's true, man. Uh, number 9, and... I mean, he's going to say it immediately. I like to move it, move it. Oh, yeah. I like, I like to move it, move it. I like to move it. Real to real. Featuring the mad stuntman. There you go. I was going to make sure you got the featuring bit, the mad stuntman. The mad stuntman, I think, is possibly my favourite artist name of all time. I love the idea that he's not just a stuntman, right? But he's reckless. Oh, not him. He's fucking mental. Oh, we've got the mad stuntman. What have you done? Why have you brought him along? He's absolutely unsurable, right? And clinically ill. Yeah. No, man, but listen to his rhymes. Who know? Who know? He likes to move it, move it. Oh, God. Yeah. Did you like this at the time? Uh, ironically. Did, okay, sure. I, this annoyed the piss out of me. This song. I mean, it really did. I, oh I kind of like this. It's it's definitely uh, following on from the the ragga stuff that we were saying was taking over the charts. It's a Oh wow! Oh, so when I said he's got great lyrics, maybe maybe I was wrong. Fantastic! Uh, oh, right. Anyway, so that's number nine. Uh, Kids fucking love this though because it's all over the uh, it's all over the. Uh, oh, it's one of the Madagascar movies. Is it? Ah, yes. Fine. Uh, number eight is a new entry. I've not made a. I've not put it on the playlist because there's no way either of us would ever have known this. Wendy Moton with Coming Out of the Rain. 
Wendy Moton. Wendy Moton. Not Wendy Moton. Number eight in the charts. Uh, that sounds like a village in Somerset. <laughs> yeah, it does as well. No, no. Couldn't tell you. Yeah, just t- take that. You, you're on the A232. Uh, <laughs> turn right at uh, uh, Wendy Moton. It, uh, or it sounds like uh, the, the Travel Lodge. Yeah. Uh, Junction 16 is the Wendy Moton services. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, or, or, or Chief Dinner Lady, Wendy Moton. <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, number seven is K7 Combo Become, which we've seen. Yeah. Number six, Brian Adams, Sting, and Rod Stewart, all Jesus. in one place. There was a good chance. Uh, all for love. I mean, yeah. <laughs> no. when the, where are the oil right <laughs> yeah, when we need them? <laughs> number five. See, you remember this one. No, well, that's the name of the song. It's a deeper love. Yeah. A d- oh, 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 oh. One of the most famous female singers of all time. I oh, really? Yeah. Sort of. Like Aretha Franklin. It's Aretha Franklin. Yeah, this was I, like I her nineties output. I kind of feel like I've heard this, but also don't remember it. If you know what I mean. Oh, fair, yeah. I mean, it, you definitely would have heard it because it was quite big at the time. It's quite generic as well, though. Very generic. It's essentially. Uh, the record company have gone. All right, Aretha's still signed to us. Get some producers in yeah. and do. Oh, that you know, Soulful House is making uh, money. Just do that. Yeah. yeah. So that's what's happened there. Uh, so that's number five. Number four. All right. Obviously, you know the song, but it's not Jennifer Rush because it's 1994. So it has to be. I can't fucking remember who's done it. Oh, what? We were going to have to do the, the whole album later this this season. Are we? Yeah. I mean, let, let me get yeah. to a, a bit where... Uh, it's not Celine, is it? it? Of course it is. Oh, Absolutely, it's Celine. I, I, yeah. I don't, I don't remember her doing this. Oh, this was like one of her big breakthrough ones. This was one of the first ones where she got... Do you know what, Yeah. I was kind of... There were a few artists, like when we were working in HMV... Yep, yep. Which was like 90... 97, 98. Yeah. Yep. There were a few artists that I was just genuinely like... Oh, these people are huge and massive, and I've managed to completely block oh, them see, out of right. my life. Right. And Celine Dion, like the... How big... How big Celine Dion was mm. and how vast her catalogue was. Yeah. That was one of them. I was just like... Oh, right. You, really? you stepped in from a different world and went... Really? This has happened. Yeah, like... Right. Yeah, Genuinely, like you know, when all of a sudden Buffy Buffy's got a sister. <laughs> That's a reference gone over my head, I'm afraid. Well, right. but yeah, anyone cool will know it. Yeah, true. Uh, Celine Dion, there. Yeah, Power Love, um, number four. And like I say, we are going to have to do the whole album at some point. So oh well, that will. We'll, we'll come back to that. that. Oh, fuck me. Yeah. Uh, the, then we've got Enigma with Return to Innocence at number three, which we saw last week. Uh, and again, when, when's the album out? Oh, it's the next one we're doing. This is the last episode of this podcast. <laughs> it's been a good run. I hope you've enjoyed all five Fuck seasons yeah, of it. Yeah. I Unfortunately, know. I've had to, I've got to move to Cuba. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tony Braxton's at number two with Breathe Again, and D Ream uh, thinks he only get better at number one. Yeah, so, and yeah. and yeah, they presumably can. Uh, well, after Enigma. After Enigma. <laughs> well, you say that, then it's Morrissey after that. We'll, we'll see. What the fuck is happening this year? It's a weird year, dude. It's a weird year. Uh, right, other singles that are in the charts this week, anyway. Uh, this one, and we're going to have to do this album at some point, so we don't need to talk too much about it, but can you remember this one? Not yet. I'm sure you will, especially once the vocals come in. 
It got to number 16 in the charts. Wow. I mean, it'll do something in a minute, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I do remember... Uh, I think maybe this was out... Oh, here we go. Um, this might have been out a little earlier, and this is oh, there you going go. yeah, back yeah. up the charts. Cranberries, Cranberries yes, yeah. indeed. Because I remember playing this on... Linger. Linger, thank you. Uh, on the radio show that I did in my last year of school, which would have been the previous year. I'm mm-hmm. sure I played this on that. Well, I didn't. My co-host did. Ah, I thought it was all right. So, but anyway, we're going to have to do that at some point. So that's uh, number 16. Got that. Uh, Switch it off, mate. Don't let it linger. Don't let it linger. This one. Right, you get this. It's got to number 20. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, it's every indie club playing this at the time. Huge. Oh, man. I've heard this so many times and I cannot remember what it is. Oh, no. um, Hang on. Oh, no. It's not Blur. It's not Elastica. It is Elastica. Oh, is it Elastica? It's Elastica, oh, it Elastica. Elastica. yeah. yeah. So yeah the yeah. first thing that went in my head was Elastica, and I went, no, no, it's not Elastica. I'm oh. just... What's the yes, track indeed. called? It's Line Up. Line Up. Line Up in line, line up in line. That one. Yeah. Don't. I think that's brilliant. I think that's a really good album. Uh, to be honest, that first album, I think, is solid all the way through. It's really good. Well, is that the one that's got um, Connection on it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Connection's a fucking brilliant oh, song. Honestly, but it, this, the whole album's like 35 minutes long. Only 10 songs on it, and it's everyone's just big, catchy tunes. Uh, this one, uh, we've mentioned many times before, the band. We, we always go, ah, uh, yeah, and I'm not particularly into them. This might even have been the last song off the album on this one. It's got to number 36. Mm-hmm. Ring any bells? It's, um, yeah, I know. It's, it's, um, it's uh, Mastery Preachers. Yeah, it's Mastery Preachers, yeah. absolutely. And this is not a bad song, you know, in terms of my ranking of Mastery Preacher mm-hmm. songs, which would be, you know, th- th- there's four I like and the rest are a bit shit. Yeah. Um, this is all right. This is life becoming a landslide. It's totally fine. Totally fine. But yeah, whenever this chorus comes in, oh, let's see if we can get this. It, it's, it's proper chug, 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 chug. It's all right. I don't like that at all. All right. No. No, not That's for you. That's giving me the ick. Okay, fine. Uh, no, thank. <laughs> no. Uh... Oh, I mean, I put this one in, not because you'll know it at all, but just in case. There's probably some listeners who'd be like, oh my God, I haven't heard this in years. Uh, only goes number 37. This is a band called Cud. I thought I fucking, I thought it was a, I literally thought I was a Screaming Trees for a second. Oh shit, like, right, yeah, yeah, that's the why you said it, yeah. Um, no, this is Cud with Neurotica. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there'll be some people listening, I'm sure, who were like proper into that kind of indie stuff at the time. This was out. This was out at the time. Um, also, uh, Boo Radley's Barney and Me was out. The Goths liked a bit of cud, though, as well, didn't they? No, no. A little bit. Not, okay. not, not overly. They were more in with that kind of jangly pop or the Grebo side of things. Uh, but yeah, uh, again, I haven't put them in the place. Boo Radley's Barney and Me got 48. Sleeper uh, released a Swallow EP, which was their first thing, I think, and only got to 76. Interstellar released Point Hope, only got to 87. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a, there is one other indie one, which is a, a proper classic that I, I suspect you will know. 
this one only got to number 52, but this was another one that I was playing in the indie clubs all the time at, uh, whenever it released. You must have heard this, I'm I've sure. Heard it yeah, right. Times, yeah. Yeah, oh, who is this? So it, yeah, it's called Cut Your Hair. Cut Your Hair. I, I can't remember. What is the band? No. What is, it's like the archetypal US college rock, a little bit weird band. Who isn't the Flaming Lips, I suppose? It's Pavement. It's Pavement. It's pavement. Yes, it is. Pavement. Cut Your Hair. Uh, and then the last one I've got that was out in this time, you're going to get straight away. Oh, yes, Gin and Juice, wasn't it? <laughs> From the first sound effect. <laughs> gin and Juice. Got to number 39, so top 40 song. Yeah. I fucking love this so <laughs> You must have been well into this at the time. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, literally, blast this, rewind it back, play it. it again. Bam, bam, bam. Well, in, in a, you know, a list of singles that is ostensibly all kind of indie guitar... This is the one hip hop tune, so yeah. there's a little bit for, for you there. We have some way. I'm coming up with funky ass shit like every single day. Lovely. Uh. All right. Well, you know, with a little bit of snoop in our minds, it's probably time to head back into a little bit of piano. Next one is Icicle. Icicle. Go. So yeah, quite hard to follow a cornflake girl, really, isn't it? Yes. So how do you do it? Well. With a song about. Yeah, mm. and here's the thing, right? There's a massive long intro on this mm-hmm. for a start, and whenever I went back to Belfast uh, just in January of this year, we're not we're recording this in March. I met up with my mate now Belkwell for a pint, who's this massive <coughs> Tory fan. Yeah, we discussed this upcoming episode, and he was of the opinion that there was no way in hell that two middle-aged straight men should be reviewing this album without another input, because you're going to have to talk about songs like Icicle, yeah, which is about a young girl discovering wanking. Yeah. And <laughs> so to have us going, and here's what I think about this song, is a little bit weird, but you know, fuck it. That's what, we're, that's what we do. Well, I, I, I had plenty of wanks as a teenage boy. <laughs> wearing my G.I. Joe pyjamas. Yeah, G.I. Joe. But uh, yeah, so yeah, I mean, uh, ostensibly about her... Uh, masturbating whilst her father had a full congregation of, uh, you know, kind of of, of Christians mm-hmm. in the room below her, yes, essentially. Yeah, so yeah. the icicle is the the icicle is the metaphor for the finger. Yes, indeed. Like her cold, her cold yeah. fingers. Yeah. See, and yeah, there's a line in there seeking about seeking out a warmer place. Yeah, so we don't need to go into the. You know, it's no. a. I mean, no, yeah, we can, I, we can enjoy this kind of. Discord. So I think this is unnecessary. This whole this is two minutes of intro. Yeah, and it goes from a very pretty start to that weird clanging uh, before it gets into the the song proper. And I do think that's well, almost as she's trying to kind of establish some kind of motif about worlds colliding and and contrast. Maybe so, or just teasing us. Yeah. yeah. Um, there, and there's also there's quite a lot of <clears throat> stuff about religion in this song. It's not just about the, the best lyric in this man yeah. is bow, bow your head like the good book says well I think the good book is missing some pages yes yeah, fucking brilliant what a fucking brilliant absolutely lyric absolutely brilliant yeah. yeah and when they say take of his body I think I'll take from mine instead yeah great yeah. that is quality writing yeah and she's rebelling against those structures again that, mm-hmm. that tell you that masturbation is sinful and blasphemous yeah. um, that, she, that she has been instilled with since she was growing up and she's finding out that it's not blasphemy. Yeah. Yes, and she, you know, she, you know, obviously she's finding connection to the world and discuss. Yes. There's a lot about 
discovering truth through, you know, things that you discover yourself and kind of challenge against ideas that have been indoctrinated sure. into you. And that's a sure. powerful thing. That's, you know, that thing where rebellion is a real thing rather than a phase, if you know what I mean. Okay, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I love that bit, that, that voice there. Yeah. It's such a delicate, wavering, just beautiful piece of music. I think it's just gorgeous. This oh, yeah. whole song it's a, is so thing. It's fucking stunning. Absolutely, man. and the piano and her voice match so perfectly. Yeah, I mean, if look, if I was gonna, if I was gonna, if I was looking for any criticism, I'd say it. Five minutes, 47, it probably is slightly too long, and that probably is in the intro that you... Oh, mate, exactly. Chuck 45 seconds off that, um, get a bit more into it straight away, and that's the only criticism I've had, because I think every single bit of this, that fucking note she's hitting there, the whole mood of this, it is kind of secretive and hidden, and, you know, she's being very quiet and hiding. It's... Incredible, this song. And that's the thing; it doesn't matter. I don't think if you've, you know, I'm, I'm sure. It, I'm sure if if you've actually, as with everything, if you've actually experienced the thing, yeah, it has, uh, it has a different a resonance with you. Of course, it will. but as with all great art, we've all had something like this. We've yeah. we've all had, you know, whether it's a sexual thing, whether it's a fucking drug thing, whether it, yeah. we've had something illicit that goes against what we've been taught that we discover and get some pleasure from and yeah, we learn. Yeah, yeah. And and you can, if you've got any kind of empathy and intelligence, you can kind of draw parallels and yeah, sure. that's what music should do. You know, you should, you should kind of go, oh, I understand how I felt like this, but then this person's expressing this thing and they feel it slightly different. I, I recognise. Yeah, and you get yeah. this kind of range of emotions. And you've, but yeah, this is a... a a brilliant, brilliant song. It is. It, it really is. Um, you know, obviously, when she's going into this more vocal, uh, loud vocal bit, uh, just powerful stuff. Yeah. Uh, I call this one Explore Amos. Explore Amos. Fair enough. Absolutely gorgeous. Fucking brilliant song. Um, a weird one to, you know, write a song about and put on an album, but... It's just it's great you know, music. That's what's so good about this songwriting in general. It's a lot of it is obviously painfully personal stuff, yeah. and the rawness and the, you know the, the willingness to exp- to be that honest, yeah. and put it out there for for scrutiny for fucking dickheads like us to look know, at. Man. Yeah, thirty down, twenty years down the line, it's you know it's it's a bravery that I love in music. Oh, totally, uh, and totally. it's you know. Yeah. Anyway, right. Okay, well, yeah, I see. Wonderful stuff. Wonderful, wonderful. That's track number nine. Okay, track number ten is called uh, Cloud on My Tongue. Okay, so this is another stripped down one. Yes, very much is. so. Uh, again, this one's very, very, very lyrically oblique. Oh, this is impenetrable. That's, that's how I found Absolutely it. Absolutely impenetrable. This unlike one. it, Icicle. <laughs> God's sake. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've got a cloud sleeping on my tongue. He goes, then it goes, and kiss the violets as they're waking up. Leave me with your Borneo. What? Yeah. Well, I, I kind of read about. I read the explanation for Borneo. Uh, yeah. I mean, there, I think there was a couple of different yeah. angles she came out. I mean, from it, as well. it all seemed quite tenuous, to be honest with you. I didn't yeah. necessarily work as a metaphor. But this one doesn't really land with me. No, I um, think this is mid-table. Very much so, and I guess I know, maybe. 
maybe it's because I don't understand it. And a lot of the time, I think with you know, even if it's musically sparse, if you can hang your hat or you can get your hooks around a lyrical, yeah. you know, a lyric, and it can make you think about it, yeah. that's enough. But for, without that, you're just kind of left with the piece itself as a whole. Sure. And this one, musically, it's just not overly distinct. It doesn't stand out in yeah. the rest of this record. You know, it's yeah. A, There's nothing wrong with the music. It's no. just a, so that's fine. Yeah. yeah. It washes over. Um, and even whenever I did read through like, like quotes and interviews and stuff, trying to work out what it was about, and she gives some clues. It's, it's there's not a kind of a bite to it where I can sink my teeth into. It's yeah, like, fine. This is this is track ten. More than happy for there to be one that I'm like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah cool. let that one go then. Right. Next track is called Space Dog. Yes, it is. And you know, if I thought that the previous song was impenetrable lyrically this is fucking oh right my, there. this is uh, absolutely and this sounds like bat dance era prince this is wonderful the, the bass line is so fucking cool <laughs> this just dirty funk yeah. and that vocal as well that just oh my god Wait, I, I've put, I just put music is musically it's just incredibly interesting super dramatic uh huh uh huh yeah lyrically utterly as you say utterly impenetrable don't get it no. at all no. but there are so many bits of the track little lines of little lines of lyric here and there where you're like oh fuck it I wonder what that means sure you know I've come to no conclusions at all about Space it. Space Yeah, they're like, deck the halls, I'm young again, I'm you again, racing turtles, the grapefruit is winning. I mean, this this, this just sounds like it's just skipped into a totally different track, doesn't oh, it? Oh, totally, yeah. And then... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Lemon Pie, he's coming through, our commander still, Space Dog. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, Tori. I mean, she has described this as a bit of a mushroom trip. Right. So, I think maybe even she's like, yeah, this is, this is out there. Um... It, it is in absolutely insanity going on. Uh, and I think she's being deliberately obtuse for shits and giggles and some point of it. But that's fine because when that bass comes in, and I think the next time it comes in, there's kind of the scratchy funk guitar over the top of it as well. Here we go. Oh, there you got that. That pulsing, pulsing bass. Yeah. This, whenever I was listening through and I was had it on the background, this bit of this song really stood out above everything else. First to me, that I was like, "Oh, what's that? I want to know more about this." Um, when, it, when she does the chorusy bits on this, I'm like, "Okay, whatever." Do you think it sounds a bit Bond theme? Oh, it does a bit. Yes, I like that. <laughs> yeah, definitely does. Um, and it, it, <laughs> can you imagine Tori Amos agreeing to do a the Bond, Bond theme? Fucking hell! <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would that would be. Uh, a, a turned down song that she yeah. submitted. Yeah. Um, but it, this, this definitely shows above mo- a lot of other songs how much I really don't give a shit about lyrics a lot of the time. And if it's got a bassline and a beat that I can, I can get into, that's what I want. For me, I think, like, just the, there's just bits. Of, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't disagree with you. Uh, I, I think there are nice bits of fun lyric that I just go yeah. like head scratchy yeah yeah. but yeah I've, I really like this one yeah uh, it's probably a little bit too long 5 minutes 12 oh it's definitely too long you know, it's uh, definitely too long and give, give me 4 and a half minutes in this top precisely precisely uh, but mate Space Dog I'm in mm-hmm. I don't know what you've done Tori I don't know what uh, you had to 
to drink before this mm-hmm. came on. But well done. Well done. I, I think that's wicked. And that definitely shows more of your man on base uh, from the meters, mm-hmm. his influence, I guess. She has said that some of this, um, it was supposed to be because the, the kind of the pulsing beat, it's like uh, being in the womb. Mm-hmm. She said something about that. So, you know, I get what she's going with that. But it's just, to me, it's just a, like a train just keeps on chugging. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Yeah. Top notch. Fantastic. So that is the 11th track. So we've got right. 12 on this one. So the last yeah, track. Yeah, right. The last one is uh, uh, Yes, Anastasia. Uh, yes, Anastasia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is the longest track at over nine minutes. Yeah, nine and a half minutes on this one. And, you know, for me, seeing that the final song on an album is nine and a half minutes, mm-hmm. that is that can, can be a frightening prospect because I think either, okay, you've gone balls out and you've left your massive outro epic mm-hmm. and it's going to be just this huge closer or it's a song that the producer has gone okay I know you want this on the album I can't put it anywhere else because it's a bit fucking long and weird we'll put it at the end so there's a or it's a tool album and you go it's a 10 minute song at the end of this oh Oh, the the rest of the songs are also 10 minutes long yeah Yeah, so musically this is kind of more classical in its approach I kind of mm-hmm. want to say Baroque a little bit, but I think I might be misusing that. I'm not sure. She has said that she's been, in this one she's influenced by Debussy and uh, some of the Russian composers as well in different parts of okay. it. So definitely, definitely more classical stuff. Mm. Uh, it, it, to me, this fits more into the, eh, let's just put this on at the end. Because it, doesn't, it, do, it doesn't stand up enough for me. I, I mean, I, I, I kind of agree with you. Right. Um, as it progresses, it has some of those... Big cinematic flourishes. Oh, I mean, the string section when it comes mm. in on this, the, the real drama on this. And uh, I read a thing as well. Uh, apparently, she, when she was recording this, uh, the record company paid a lot of money for a massive name string arranger mm-hmm. to do the strings on this. Yeah. And he came in, and it was all done, um, and she hated it. Right. And she, apparently, she was in the bar with the producer and her partner at the time, Eric Ross, and one of the other mixers. And they were having some margaritas. And she was talking about how much she hated it. And she said, I, I want to go and just delete it. I want to I start again. And they were like, this this has cost... You know, some people would buy a house for the amount of money that the, the record company paid for this. And she was like, don't care. And she walked into the studio and erased it. <laughs> Wiped. And started again with a different arranger. And this is what we now hear on this when it comes in. And she loves this. But it really does go to show this is, you know, obviously why she now produces her own shit. Yeah. She will, won't take anybody else's opinion. And also, she's not scared to go, nah, that didn't work. Yeah. Fucking, uh, how many hundreds of thousands was that? Doesn't matter. Does not work. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there you go. But look, so this one, it, it feels spectacularly self-indulgent, this track. Sure. Yes, it does. Uh, but on an album that is so unrepentant about you know, kind of fully embracing the, you know, what you want to do. And, yeah, yeah. And, you know, going in line with what you say. I, I kind of almost feel like maybe I'm in the wrong. I don't know. But it doesn't it doesn't yes. do it for me. Maybe if I listen to it a lot more, it will. Maybe I haven't fully, just fully embraced it yet. But... Yeah. I mean, I wondered that about a few of the songs <clears throat> on here. Like, again, not having had 30 years of listening to this. Yeah. And only having, you know, let's say, whatever, nine or ten listens proper. Yeah. Perhaps I I am missing it, and big Tory fans will go, no, no, no. Yes, Anastasia is one of her best songs. Uh, it's a classic. I don't know. Yeah, but if, for me, it just feels a li- it feels a bit unwieldy. It doesn't it doesn't give the epicness of its yeah of its runtime. Whereas uh, you know, as we said at the start, um, Pretty Good Year is a 
really strong start to town feels yeah. very worthy. This doesn't necessarily feel like sure. the crescendo. This album feels like it might want to come towards. I, yeah, um, I think she's trying for that um, with the the massive mm. orchestral bits, etc. It doesn't hit with me. But, yeah, you know, that, I mean, that's, that's kind of how I feel yeah. about it as well. But, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll give it a few more lessons. Yeah. Down the line. Uh, in terms of what it's about, uh, apparently the uh, Anastasia, who was the daughter of uh, Tsar Nicholas II, mm-hmm. who was executed in 1919, and she, uh, Anastasia executed along with him. Uh, but then there was a woman turned up in America who claimed to be Anastasia, mm-hmm. um, was still alive, uh, who died in 1984, and there was this kind of... She, there was a book about it, and there was this, is it? Maybe? Is she? Tori Amos, anyway, says that she was uh, she had really bad food poisoning after bad seafood, was throwing up and shitting out lots of crab, and uh, was visited by the ghost of this woman who claimed to be Anastasia. Amazing. And this this woman, this presence, said... How bad was that seafood? Uh, exactly, yeah. Uh, and this woman said, no, you need to write a song about me, please. And so Tori had no choice but to do so, and that's what we've got here. Well, there we go. Yeah. There was also a uh, there was also a massive communist witch hunt in 1919 in America where they rounded up uh, where they rounded up 10,000 uh, potential communists and anarchists. Indeed, yeah. Isn't there a line in this about uh, the yeah. blood of 10,000 men or something? Mm-hmm. Like that? Yeah, yeah, indeed. Yeah, I like to think that uh, the Anastasia, the spirit who visited her, was a kind of stuck between heaven and hell until somebody would write a song about her. So Purgatory Amos, and then oh, Purgatory Amos, nice. Yes. Uh, and then, uh, and then, once she was released, she was able to have a string of uh, high-energy dance <laughs> yeah, classics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. Right. Okay. So look, this is under the pink man. Um, yeah. I think that's a pretty fucking good album. I do. I still prefer Little Earthquakes because I got more of a relationship with it, mm-hmm. and to me, there are more strong, strong songs that I will take with me a lot more but I was very pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed this yeah uh, I was really into it so many of the songs work brilliantly mm-hmm. that the ones that don't that's fine mm-hmm. that's not a problem yeah and this is the thing is that you know when, when you when you talk about this as a complete piece of work this would be something I'd put on as an album uh-huh. and you know the you know and the, and the tracks that that didn't work for me as well they don't not work enough that I'd be skipping them. No, totally you know? fine. Totally fine. So I'd, I'd, you know, in an, in an album based era, I'd put this on. I'd be like, this is a brilliant album. And mm-hmm. had I, you know, were we back in that era where stuff was a little bit less disposable than it, than it yeah, is now? Yeah. Like you you know, bought the CD; it's going to be on. You'd probably, you know, fully gloss over. You know, you'd learn to like the album tracks as yeah. you went, wouldn't you? Yeah, that's right. how it. That's how it would go. But yeah, I'm giving this a a, a strong thumbs up. We've we've had quite a lot of um, feedback. On Indeed, this show, yeah. We, we we asked for various kind of uh, listener thoughts and memories about this, this one, and we did. We had a nice little response. Um, I'm going to start with, with a handwritten letter from my friend Niall. He sent me a handwritten Such a letter. thing still exists. I didn't know it was possible. Um, so and you see my handwriting. <laughs> it Jesus, isn't for no. me. He says, as a fan of Little Earthquakes, I was nervous as hell when I bought the cassette of this in the late winter of 94. If the album was a dud, I'd have put up too much faith and hope into an artist who was going to disappoint. And I get that. There's, there's mm-hmm. such a weight of expectation that he said she did not disappoint. Uh, when that Precious Things-esque wail and screech of uh, guitar kicks in during a pretty good year, I knew she hadn't lost it. He agrees that this is a journey away from Little Earthquakes. Mm-hmm. And she has said as well, she d- has gone deliberately more poetic and, uh, and oblique in her lyrics. And it is moving away from where she was, which is absolutely fine. And I imagine 
it probably gets even weirder in further albums. Mm -hmm. um, Niall has said that this isn't his favourite album. That is Scarlet's Walk, but he still thinks this is a fantastic album. That's fair. Uh, we also had a, a really nice email from uh, Andres Provost. And again, I'm probably pronouncing that entirely wrong. Uh, ages ago, and he was just getting in contact before we started this season to say what he thinks about what was coming up in 94. And he's got a little bit about Tori. He says he's wondering what our opinions will be on Tori Amos. I've never been as, uh, as fond of her as I am of her most obvious font of inspiration, St. Catherine of Bush. But the singles from the album are all gems. Uh, even I struggle with the idea of a nine and a half minute album closer called Yes Anastasia, though. And yeah, I think we would agree with you on that. That was a step too far for me, anyway. Uh, other people who got in contact on the Twitter with Stephen Hill. Uh, big shout out to Stephen Hill from True Cult Pop again. Thank you once once more for coming on our last episode. He said, growing up with Kate Bush being played a lot in my house, discovering Tori and this album in particular was like having my own personal version of that with an alt rock twist, which I can kind of get because if you're your your folks or your older brother or whatever, oh Kate Bush is the one. This can be your version, you know. Absolutely. This, you know, that's fair enough. Uh, superb record, he says. Pretty good year. The Waitress and Bells for Her, All Gorgeous and Cornflake Girls Anthemic, which is, yeah, definitely would agree with that. So, yeah, and Joe, at Joe Bell Peace Prize uh, got in contact with us. Uh, I remember 13-year-old me being absolutely transfixed by Tori Amos when I saw the Cornflake Girl video. Weird and wonderful. Yeah, definitely. Go yeah. Along with that. And, and it, you know, without being crass, I imagine... If you were being thir if you're 13 and you you see a Tori Amos video, mm -hmm. that's gonna stir something in you because she is so just passionate about yeah. everything as well. It's 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 one of those ones like yeah, I like what's happening right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, 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 Bradders. He said he can't fit in a tweet, so he'll email it instead, and he did, and he's got a great. Uh, this is a great email. I will uh, I'll read this out because it's a lovely story. <laughs> My introduction to Tori Amos and this record was actually a drip freed into my subconscious over a period of about six months in 1995 while I was sharing the same bus commute to college with a girl I didn't know at all but played this album every day on the journey. I had no idea what it was, but the high notes and louder bits of Tori's voice bled out through these tinny headphones she used to have. Uh, and it, to be honest, it grated on me a lot because I was only hearing the tinny half version, didn't have a walkman of my own to join it out. Mm. We only ever chatted once when stuck in traffic on the commute home one night when I suddenly find her reading my Kerrang over my shoulder and an interview with Trent Reznor. She said, that guy's on the album I'm listening to, you should give it a go. And that's how I discovered Under the Pink in a cultural exchange for the Downward Spiral. I only ever encountered her once after that and never actually found out her name. But had I never spoken to her, who is to say when or if indeed I would have completely fallen in love with the music of Tori Amos? That's a nice wee story. That's a great story, yeah. man. Yeah. This, I love is, it. this girl just came into his life, told him about Tori Amos, never seen again. Yeah, it's, 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 it got a bit of that kind of um, uh, Metro hookups kind of thing as well. <laughs> it does as well. Yeah. <laughs> if you were the girl <laughs> on the bus. It's tinny headphones. Uh, Paul at PRS Books, my introduction to Tori and an album that massively broadened my musical palette. Proper 10 out of 10 album, no duff tracks. And if either of you say there are, I will fight you. Uh, uh, we're, we're fighting Paul, I think. Uh, yeah, okay. Like, oh, no, we, we didn't say duff. Though, didn't no, we? I said a couple were a bit boring. I will go that far. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, all right. Fair, uh, look, we're broadly with you, Paul. Don't yeah. fight us, man. Uh, Darren at DMA237. A brilliant album of which he has a few. Another one which added to my ever-expanding musical palette in the 90s. When this and the debut album came out, there was just nothing else around like it. Still gets a regular spin in my house. Nice. Yeah, no, I would agree that there, there really wasn't anything else. She did a tour with Alanis Morissette because someone obviously went oh there you go female front of the tour but they're not the same no you know, it's, they're not the same um, not all women are the same <laughs> what birds <laughs> the birds tour <laughs> god yeah um, but there wasn't there wasn't I can't think of anything else around that time that was 
this level. The closest thing that I can think to it is something like Nine Inch Nails. Oh, I see, even, okay. And even that is a different type of autorship, you know. It's, For sure, yeah. Uh, but, you know, you can definitely see a like a kindred spirit between Trent and... Well, yeah, Fast Friends, anyway. Uh, next one, Gaz Jones. Big up, Gaz Jones. Yes, Gaz. Blop. Uh, Cornflake Girl on top of the pops in early 94 was a game changer for 16-year-old Gaz. Nicked my ex-girlfriend's copy of Little Earthquakes and didn't look back. Yeah. He doesn't say whether he, uh, whether, 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 whether they broke up because of <laughs> album theft. Uh, yeah, to- totally. Uh, Michael Collins said he already owned Little Earthquakes and loved it, so was ready and waiting for this. I was not disappointed. But I would imagine that is a, a theme, that if you were into Little Earthquakes and you did then give this a go in 94 which i didn't you probably were straight in there and i probably would have been at the time but i'm a dickhead didn't do it look thank you very much for people for getting in contact i really really appreciate that uh we are now though kind of at the point where we need to decide on songs for a playlist uh but if you are new to the podcast and this is you know uh Season five, you may not have been with us the whole thing. We have an ongoing playlist where we have to put at least one song from every album that we do, every number one album, and a maximum of three onto the playlist as a kind of a representative, that's not the right word, but as an example of what we think the best songs from the every yeah. album we've done are. And so it's, it's, it's just a weird playlist that runs from, you know, Def Leppard, Fleetwood Mac, Phil Collins. Yeah. Uh, uh, Alita Adams, The Farm, whatever. Um, so we're going to have to put at least one, maximum three, Tori Amos songs on there. Yeah. So first of all, I'm absolutely not saying this is a one-tracker. No, There's more no. more than that that I think it I mean, deserves I, to go on. Yeah, I mean, I'm saying this is, you know... If, Sometimes we struggle to yeah, put one on. If, the, if there's ever a case for a three, yep. this is making it. I mean, okay. you know, it doesn't have to be three if we can't agree on them, but I mean... I, yeah. So... And Cornflake Girl is a lock, really, but do we want to put it on because everyone knows well, it? Well, indeed. Well, let's see what else we come up with, because I would go with God. God, 100%. I think it's fucking it's fantastic. It's okay, so that's one done. God Absolutely on, brilliant. Right? Okay, so now, um, you don't like Bells for Her or Pass the Mission, do no, you? No, I think they're they're too mid-table for me. Okay, see, that. I think you're incredibly wrong. Right. Uh, but I then, I, then but, yeah, I do really like the wrong band, and I know it's a bit silly. Well, I like the wrong band as well. I put the wrong band on. Okay, so that's a possible. Uh, but I think uh, the waitress is fucking yeah. incredible. Waitress, waitress, waitress. Right. 100%. So I mean, I would go God and waitress for top two there. Yeah. Cornflake girl, possible, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I think icicle is absolutely beautiful. I think icicle is um, beautiful as well, man. So I mean, um, but then I fucking love space dog. But it's it's, it's bits and pieces of space dog that I love. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I mean, uh, yes, Anastasia is is out. Yeah. Uh, Cloud with my tongue nah. is out. Icicle is a possible cornflake girl is it's, possible it's, it's there in the wings waiting I, mean, I don't know if we're going to need it I mean Pretty Good Year is fucking great as it's a well great, yeah that's a good song okay God Waitress and <clears throat> I think we're between Cornflake Girl uh, Icicle and Pretty Good Year then yeah Everyone, everyone's heard Cornflake Girl right that, yeah exactly but that doesn't mean that's a bad thing because sometimes you want something that you know to come in on the playlist yeah um, Icicle I mean uh, Icicle is a little bit too long Okay, it does have the two-minute non, uh, non-intro that I don't think we need. Okay, so yeah, let's not do it. Right, in that case, I would go Cornflake Girl over a pretty good year. All right, Cornflake Girl it is. Do those three? Yep. Right. And the last bit of thing I've got here is that my mate Niall has given me an envelope, sealed envelope, with the handwritten letter. With a kiss? Hopefully. Mm. I will, uh, or some I'll piss. 
And he said he's, he's, he's basically told me not to open this until after we decided what our ones were. So I've now opened it, and he's going to let me know what his ones, just to see if they match. Yeah. Uh, like I say, Niall uh, does the Zeros podcast. Really good fun. Go and have a look. Oh, interesting. Right. Number three, Waitress. A furious, hilarious exploration of female rage, quoted by Neil Gaiman in screen adaptation of Good Omens. That's number three. We agree on that. Number two, Cornflake Girl. I don't care how obvious the choice is. Even the most deep-cut fans whoop for joy when she plays this live. Oh, right. There we go. We've, we've got away with that, I think. Number one, though, Cloud on My Tongue. What the fuck, Nile? No. It starts so unassumingly and develops into such a beautiful orchestral piece. That's his number one. I'm shocked at that one now. That's not uh, the agreement I thought we might have. But you know more about Tori Emerson than me. He's also going to see her live in Belfast this month. And he's pretty much wetting himself daily in excitement. Fine. Okay. Well, like, there you go. We were almost in total sync there now, but not quite. But thank you for, for making all that effort. I really, really appreciate it. But there we go. All right. Great album. Well done, everyone involved, especially you and me, Dave. Uh, Tori Amos, mainly, well mainly done. Us. But, uh, well done, everyone. Ma- mainly us, though, Tori. Mainly. Come, let's not get ahead of yourself. Absolutely. Uh, okay, look, we're back, well, whenever we can, with Enigma. And that's a horrible sentence. <laughs> yeah, to I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I can't. I can't see myself pushing things aside in my schedule. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, so we'll be back in 2024 yeah, with. Fuck's sake. Right. Yeah, we'll be back. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, it can't be worse than the last one, right? Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> Famous last words. Cool. All right, look, thank you very much for, for joining us again. Yeah, I'll see you later, mate. Take it easy. Cheers. Bye. bye. Thank you for checking out this episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen. It was produced and edited by us, for which we can only apologise. We are on Twitter, at PCL Podcast, on Instagram, also at PCL Podcast, and Facebook.com slash PCL Podcast. All of these, plus links to our various Spotify playlists, etc., are on our website, which is PCLPodcast.com. Please feel free to get in contact via any of the social media or on PCLMusicPodcast at gmail.com.